that's very true. And and having gotten off to that start, how about if we pray before we go on? That would be great. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, wonderful God, we come to you towards the end of this day and all that it's brought, the good and the hard, the blessings and the challenges. And we just invite you to be here with us. And I ask that you be present, very present with Linda in her home and that you continue to guide and uphold her during this really challenging time. And we just pray, we just pray. And we ask you to hear us as we look to your word for guidance and support. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Kelly, did I hear that? Did I get the impression um, from something you said, maybe it was on your devotion, that you're back to work? I am. I so, am. Same company? It is. It was. Um, and it's okay that this is public because <laughs> it was a very humbling experience. I had been... Um, working at this advertising firm for 12 years. I'm going on 13 now. Great place. I have a great boss. And over the years, he has allowed me to be super flexible. With To make a long story short, I was down to one day a week, which I loved before the pandemic. Dan was gone literally all the time um, traveling. And so with two 17-year-olds, it was beautiful and I appreciated it. When the pandemic hit, they had a big layoff and the boss called me and said, we're, we're going to include you as part of that. And and it was it was humbling. And but it made sense. I totally got it. Um, but then I started back at the end of September. So I'm now um, I'm wanting to go probably a little more than I am right now. I'm two days a week now. Um, but it, that is actually working out great because I do an awful lot with my mom and dad during mm -hmm. the week. So. If it stays two days, that will probably be a blessing as well. Um, I remember calling Pastor Sherry when it all happened, and I just said, I feel like I've lost my identity. And she said the most perfect thing. She said, your identity is in Christ, and you need to not feel like you've lost a thing. So it's, um, and it gave me great empathy. I thought I had empathy before for people that have lost their jobs, but it definitely gave me great empathy and uh, you know, and then I had COVID. I said, I'm just experiencing this whole pandemic. <laughs> like, I don't know what's next, but <laughs> like if it happens in the news, it's going to happen to me. So. <laughs> I, one of the, and I'm happy. I think when one of the times that we talked, which would have been before you went back to work, you didn't know what right. was going to happen. And so oh, I must have told you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I, I just didn't know that you'd gone back and whether it was the same place. And I sort of peeked into the devotions for um, a few minutes. And so I heard you talk about turning um, your son's room and Jack's room into your your office and devotion place. And um, and so when I heard that you was your workspace, I was like, wait, I, I, I need yeah. to ask about this. Um, it's lovely. I'm sitting right in front of the window. I can see the neighborhood. I'm not going to want to give it back. He comes back at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm just going to lend it to him. You're That's right. Him. That's why Roy's doing mine in the basement. Ah. <laughs> they, um, when I, one of the um, blessings and challenges twice, oh, I got a message from Adrian. Let me check.
um, uh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. It's okay. He's there's there's two different settings in terms of this layout, and typically. Um, what would happen is that once we went to live stream, people would be able to hear you, but only see me. And right now they're seeing all three of us, which Adrian said isn't a problem as long as it's what we want. And that's mm -hmm. kind of up to the two of you in terms of whether you're okay with it. I'm fine with it. I'm okay, as long as Jack's not watching. <laughs> <laughs> if he is, hi Jack. <laughs> Um, they, when I was the first time I was appointed to a church in Rochester in Penfield, um, it was kind of at the tail end of the, the, the demise of Kodak was largely the worst of it had passed, but the victims were everywhere. Um, and all of us. Okay, hold on. Just doing what doing what the boss tells me. Because <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. He sure way, does. Way better than, than I do. He's I awesome. He really is. He's a gem. Mm -hmm. All right. They um so there were so many people who had lost their jobs and then uh, a number of years later, after being a super, I left there to be a superintendent, and then I came back to south of Rochester after being a superintendent. And there was, so now it's well past and the economy has improved, but there are still people who had either retired or had worked their whole lives from with Kodak. But at, at Penfield, there was a, a man who literally found his ministry um, with other men who had lost their identity, who had, you know, they were the primary providers for their families and they didn't know what it would be like to not have a job and not be able to support their family. And so he had gone through that and had found a job. And so he began this really um, intentional ministry of seeking out men who had we're going through these experiences um, to help to help them because they're men and and it, he he taught me a lot not that I probably didn't know it before but I had no need to articulate it that for uh, for many of us our identity is it is um, in what we do the difference mm -hmm. with women is that we also claim as our identity mothers and uh, providers in our own right, but it's a very uh, diverse sense of identity, whereas men, surely they're fathers if they are, and husbands, but they're not, they're, they're, they're not wired in terms of our culture for their, yeah. their identity to be too far away from what they do and how mm -hmm. they provide. And my own father went through a period of, of unemployment, and I began to realize that when how frequently when we meet people men or women and we say well what do you do mm -hmm. and when what you do is laid off 
or right. unemployed or whatever it is that 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 can that can create some shame um mm -hmm. so how do we rework the conversation around right. you know you have um sherry saying your identity is in christ which is the truth for anybody who's a person of faith it's not necessarily what the world says mm -hmm. so I'm, you know pastor tom always had a funny story um i don't i don't think there are places in the villages but he talked about the villages down in florida and he said if you go from being employed and everybody says what do you do to down in the villages everybody says what do you play what's your card game? what's <laughs> your card right. game of choice what do you play <laughs> that's right and that um oh there's a more recent kind of ball that they play um, oh pickleball maybe pickleball, pickleball. yeah Yes. Um, it, so it's good to meet you. Do you play pickleball? Um, right, right. In their their golf carts and uh, things like that. So we're we're going to spend this evening in Hebrews 11, which is probably one of the the best known um, because it has the the litany of the saints, um, the story of all the faithful, and. So we're going to get there just as we did last week, but we're going to start uh, by looking at ourselves and as we think about how these, um, the writer of Hebrews decided on these people. You know, we know there could be way more, but these are the people, they were uh, great people of faith. So the question I want to pose to you is what, how how do you define faith what if you faith is what trust in god mm -hmm. believing in something you can't see um just the, confidence mm -hmm. i think the belief that god exists mm -hmm. um without proof, like you said, very much. Um, so the next question about what is faith is, what does faith look like? If you think about people that you know that you consider to be sort of um, some of the people that you think are people of great faith, what does that, what are the characteristics that, that make that the case? I always talk about peace that passes understanding. I always believe my father always has had that, you know, just, and as a young person, I was, I was wrestling with a lot of things and I just would think of, you know, he doesn't have the most glamorous life, but he has this peace that I believe is from God. Yeah. that. Passes so what, what characteristics does he have that show you that? How do you know? Yeah. He's just comfortable with himself, I think. And Probably a lot of that comes with age too, but just um, a, a trust that things will work out mm -hmm. and that there's a bigger plan um, and things might be hard at a certain time, but that in the end it's it's all worth it and and yeah. Jesus wins and we win and yeah. And I think you can sometimes just feel that from people that mm -hmm. feel that sense of. They're not worried about tomorrow in the way that some people are worried about tomorrow. They're mm -hmm. true to themselves, true to their values. 
Um, so what else, Linda, did anything come to mind? My dad came to mind. Um, he was always very wise, um, man of few words, but when he spoke, you listened. And also um, my sister-in-law who passed away from ALS last year, she was the ultimate, if, if there was a picture of the fruit of the spirit, Linda's face would be there. Wow. Just, that was just her. Yeah. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all the way through, self-control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all through her ALS, my brother said up until she couldn't smile and could literally couldn't smile anymore. She was smiling and laughing and joking. Yeah. And just always had that faith. Always had that trust and knew where she was going. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. It's pretty beautiful. I think some of the people that I have known and I, there are too many to count and I think that I don't think it's a disadvantage necessarily that they're not in my family. Um, and that in terms of I don't have anybody that was near to me growing up who could show me that. Um, but it also meant in some ways because of my eagerness to find it, I saw it in so many other people along the way and they just that sense, like like you said, Kelly, I know people who, they know who they are, they are, they don't apologize for who they are, they don't think less of themselves, but they don't build them, they don't build themselves up in front of people. Um, they're the same, they're the same person of faith that you would see in their backyard as in their front mm -hmm. yard or mm -hmm. at church, um, and that their presence is open presence is open for other people because their their own stuff isn't taking up so much room inside of them that they're open to whoever's whoever's in front of them um and i think the ability to hold that is a is a it comes from faith it comes from i don't have to worry whether somebody likes me or um of course the people the one woman who comes to mind there wasn't anybody who didn't like her because there wasn't, even when she talked about the times when she get mad at her sons, she had polio and she was confined to a wheelchair. And so she ended up doing most of the work raising her four sons because her husband traveled and um, people were, would be like, oh, I can't believe that she has to raise these boys by herself. Oh, she was a woman of great grace and openness, but she could wrangle those boys like nobody's business. Um, they knew they were smart enough to know to be afraid. Right. <laughs> she, would, she would get them into their bedrooms so they'd be on their bed and her wheelchair would be there and there was no getting away from the conversation, which would lead to prayer and all would be well. But it just, she nice. was an amazing, an amazing woman. Um, they have you ever heard a speaker or a person preacher 
motivational speaker. It doesn't even, sometimes there's a person who speaks that you feel the faith, even if they don't articulate it, but that someone uh -huh. who moves you or has moved you. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Let's see, there's Patsy Claremont, there's Lucy Swindoll, who passed away, by the way. Oh, did she? I yeah. knew she was, I knew she was yeah. hovering. Today or yesterday. Um, all those, uh, Angie, is it Angie Smith? Okay, yeah. Her husband is in Selah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Lori out at times, too, just the way she tells her testimony and her story of her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the people, some of the big speakers and performers and things like that um, that we see as models of faith, we don't actually know how they live their lives. We don't know how genuine it is. And in in recent weeks, I've heard of two very significant music people who have fallen from grace and it's uh, one of them is David Haas who wrote here I am and mm -hmm. be not afraid um, mm -hmm. and that was that was just devastating to me and the other one is Chris Rice really um, yeah. I haven't heard either one of those all oh so it's it's and the reason I bring them up is because it creates in us this turmoil Mm -hmm. Wait, so we look at these mentors, these teachers, these leaders and guides who, whether they've written music or preached sermons or whatever, um, not talking about the names that, that you mentioned, Linda, that we sometimes find ourselves in a position of being so disappointed when we find that what we thought we saw wasn't what we saw or what we saw was real, but it's a person who just fell, who mm -hmm. just simply lost their way. Um, right. Yeah. David did. Yeah. There are many, many in the Bible that mm -hmm. we can see who lost their way. Um, mm -hmm. And so, what are the kinds of life experiences that we might encounter that make us worry or wonder about our faith? We've talked a little bit about this before, but like wondering, do I believe? Am I sure I believe? Um, how, how might we find ourselves in not in a position of falling from grace like that so dramatically, but I think that we all fall from grace at least an inch or two on occasion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i think anytime you know especially when somebody passes away you know even if it's somebody not necessarily that close to you it makes you confront your own humanity and think do i know for sure where i'm going and that there is something beyond this life that really does make you question yeah yeah mm -hmm. the first time i saw a dad carry this little tiny casket to a grave 
um, there was I, I I didn't I didn't doubt my faith, but there was this God. I'm telling you, you know, you you better help these parents. You better be holding that baby. Um, and I don't necessarily have any doubt, but I think there are some things that we see um, or experience that we just can hardly believe that it's real, that this kind of suffering um, happens. Um, yeah. So I think that there's a, I don't know if you remember this, but there was uh, the story of the Chilean miners who were uh -huh. underground for 70 days yeah. and the their shift supervisor um i wouldn't be able to pronounce his name um louis Urzua, but i'm sure that's not how you say it he underground organized supported um encouraged and um, prayed with and prayed for all of those miners to try to keep them not just from dying, which of course is very important, but to not to try to keep them from wanting to die, from keeping that to keeping them um, in a place where they they believed that it, they were going to be rescued. And we can imagine that for a couple of weeks. I mean, as awful as as that might be i mean it took them two weeks to even find out there was anybody in there and then um and then all the more days that it took to actually get them out but one of the things that they talk about in this story of those miners is that they the feeling we can't know the truth but the feeling mm -hmm. above the ground was that once they got any clue that there were people there that were alive they they never gave up thinking that they would eventually get to them and help them to get out and that the people in the mine um as weak and in bad condition as they were uh primarily this this shift supervisor can you imagine i mean you're just in charge of the shift you're just doing your job and then you end up being in that position and um I'm guessing that there were times when they doubted. Yeah. Um, maybe they didn't doubt God, but I'm guessing they might have doubted that they were going to survive. Um, mm -hmm. Or if they prayed to God to be rescued and they were still there the next day, um, mm -hmm. that that mindset of I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe for 70 days um i consider that to be a pretty remarkable yeah. testimony uh -huh. i'm guessing that there are other stories that are um different in some manner where it doesn't have a happy ending and people believed and they believed and they believed um i always think about when i think about 9 11 and i think about the people who knew they weren't going to survive and um that that sense of they know this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, and that sense of we can't know, I believe, I believe, I believe. We can only hope and pray that that's, mm -hmm. that was the reassurance they had as they saw things unfold. And we can think of a number of other circumstances. I was telling Sherry 
when we were looking at confirmation that around um, the Columbine shooting many years ago, one of the biggest earlier big ones, there was a young woman who, who died, but her the understanding, first of all, she was a Christian and that her her sort of last moments were still moments of faith. Yeah. And so there was a whole like campaign in, among the Christian community, um, say yes. I remember that. Was, do you remember that? I do, yeah. so I do too. We, we changed up our whole confirmation um, to mm -hmm. be uh, the service itself and the last uh, few weeks to being say yes, say yes, if wow. to the parents, to the kids. Um, and I think that that it was kind of like that moment of that we don't know. We don't know what we're promised. We don't know mm -hmm. what could happen outside on the curb or whatever. Um, so, so say yes when you have the chance. Um, hopefully a genuine yes, but just such powerful mm -hmm. stories of life and death. And we, yeah. we hope and trust a resurrection, not physical resurrection here, but resurrection in, in with God and with that healing. Mm -hmm. um, that was such a powerful story. I remember like questioning myself, would I be as strong as this young girl was mm -hmm. you know, to, uh, because I, I think the gunman gave the impression that if you said no, he would spare your life. And if you said yes, he would kill you. And yeah, I thought, right. I truly hope that I would say yes. I say I will say yes, but yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's we, we hope that we won't be put in that position. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's okay to be inspired by others who are, um, trusting that we most likely won't ever be in that position. But I think it's a very helpful question to ask ourselves, not in a blaming or I couldn't or I wouldn't, but that 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 reassurance of I hope, I hope, I pray that I would say um, what was true and honest for myself. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so part of what we're going to do is, uh, first of all, we're just going to we're going to um, we're just going to go through uh, Hebrews 11, um, just looking at it, not reading it, just kind of taking your mm -hmm. eyes down and um, take turns saying the names of the people that are listed here. And so there may be some that might be at the beginning of the sentence and their name's really clear. There might be some that are later that we might miss, but we'll together, we'll catch them all. Um, are you all right with that? Yep. I'm gonna start and um, Abel. Yeah. Enoch. Mm -hmm. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. um, Sarah, 
think that's the oh okay Joe uh we we already said did we say Abraham yep but okay so and then there's Isaac Jacob uh Jacob Joseph okay Moses mm-hmm I don't see his name, but Joshua, because of Jericho falling. Jericho's, right. Jericho's listed. Good one. And Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then um, Gideon. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. And the prophets. what based on just what you know about the ones you're familiar with um are you familiar with all the names i think so yeah i'm trying Mm -hmm. to yeah um which which of the ones do that that are listed here do you think face the most adversity in their Mm -hmm. Uh, struggle to be faithful and some of that might depend on how you define struggle or Mm -hmm. adversity Joseph for sure yeah I'm thinking Abraham I was just gonna say Abraham being asked to leave his land and well and sacrifice his son yeah Um, Yeah. that's (laughs) that's the biggest one (laughs) that's that's uh yeah that's a that's a big one um yeah yeah i'm hard i was thinking you know noah had to risk all the ridicule and all these things but i think there's not much that tops you know trying to kill your own son and thinking god to do it yeah um um, let's see. Moses's parents, it's interesting, like they're listed in verse 23, not just Moses, but his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, you know, hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they could have been killed. Mm-hmm. For keeping All three of them. Yeah. Um, they, you know, when I think about what Moses endured trying to lead the people to the promised land, mm-hmm. um, when we think of some of the ridicule and the heckling sort of that Noah got when he was building the ark, oh my gosh, putting Moses in charge of a people um, and having to take them that far and we sometimes make light of the the whining and you know we'd rather die and you'd sort of think of this almost um almost humorous right. because it gives you the impression of uh, sort of spoiled people who don't have enough food and they don't da, 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 da. but truly it likely had to be 
an incredibly, incredibly hard journey. The risk of taking them through the Red Sea. Um, right. And it's, um, and not even making it. He didn't even make it. But the people that we're, we talked about earlier, when we talked about the people we named, and we look at some of these people, um, not everybody got to finish what they were called to do. Not everybody mm -hmm. got to rest in that place of faith and accomplishment um, mm -hmm. and that they, they might have done everything God asked them to, but then they died. Just look at the disciples and some of the, the deaths that they endured after mm -hmm. being so faithful. And obviously that story wasn't written yet because you could imagine that if it was a story that was written after the lives of the disciples, you would surely hope that they would be on this list. Um, and so what do you think the, the rationale is of them, of this listing of all of these people? I think encouragement very much, you know, that like we even do today, you know, if they can do it, you can do it right. just as, as an example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you remember your. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. I don't want to lose the say, conversation. And, and it also remember your roots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that's a very powerful um the that that sense of i didn't come from right here i did not begin on the day that i was born um mm -hmm. one of the things that there were some bishops in some eras of ordination that when you were ordained i i missed it my husband got it but i missed it mm -hmm. was they would they would go from your ordination. So it would go from me to um, Bishop Stith to Bishop Yakel, and then go all the way back, all the way back to one of the apostles. Wow. Um, now, how they do that, I don't know. Um, but they, this person posted a picture of it on Facebook recently when they were going through things. Um, and I think that one of the one of the things that we sometimes have to be reminded of is our reach, that we came from someplace and that it it may be, you know, both of you talk about your fathers, but where did they come from and where did that person come from? And you can just um, I don't I'm not a person who has a lot of interest in genealogy for genealogy's sake. I leave that to my son, um, who, when we did all the 23andMe um, and all the, the contacts and everything, it's like, talk to Jordan, talk to Jordan, talk to Jordan. But what does interest me are the stories, the stories mm -hmm. of, and ultimately what, what interested me were, were the stories of faith. Where can I follow 
the how far back can I follow the journey of faith in my family? And it kind of zigzags because um, I was able to observe in the the gen my generation and their parents on both my mother's and my father's side, you could almost at a glance, you could see which families were people of faith. Um, they, they had their struggles with children and things that happened, even addiction and death, but they just, there was just a difference. There was a solidness in their family um, that no matter how off things happened, it was still there. And I, I can remember my own, my mother's family, there wasn't, there was none of that to be found. Couldn't find it, not biologically, much of anywhere. Um, and then there's, of course, Matt's family. And so the, the some of the decisions about why are we who we are? And then I look across at the, all these people that I'm related to, and I can see, I can see faith. I can see faithful people, um, not perfect people, but people of faith in the way they live their lives. And, um, you know, my my father's mother was the daughter of a Methodist minister, mm. but she bailed on all of it. Mm. Um, he was preaching back then. You preached against Drant drinking and dancing and smoking and jewelry and gambling. You know, you couldn't do anything. Um, and she, at a pretty young age, decided to do everything. Um, and she she married my grandfather on a dare. He was a single school teacher. And I'm guessing she was pretty outgoing and rowdy. And I'm guessing that some people dared her, you know, see if you can get that school teacher. Um, and she she didn't find whatever she whatever journey she might have been on. She never found happiness or peace or even consolation. But then there's her father and there's her father's um, sister or brother that I know or knew. Um, and you could sort of zigzag around. And I found that to be just yeah. a wonderful story um, in terms of it's not all happy. It's not all pretty. But if you can find the stories, then you can go back and find maybe who who was a part of my faith that I never even met because of these generations. Right. Do either of you know where your dad's, your your father's sort of faith story came from? Mine is definitely my dad's mom my grandma Holmes, and she was just, yeah, the most faithful woman. And I didn't always like what she said, but I think, <laughs> I mean, she, I loved her, but I remember, you know, I, a couple of times in high school when I would achieve something, she'd say, you know, I hope you don't get conceited about that. <laughs> like, just give me a minute. Could I just I have a minute? <laughs> okay, thanks. And uh, did you, go ahead. Did you ever say that to any of your either of your children? No. <laughs> I told them that story. You know, I mean, I just wanted her to say, "Good job." I'm I've always been a people pleaser, but 
um, you know, she, the funniest story in our family about her is um, she and my grandfather made something for the last Christmas dinner that we were all together, I think it was bread pudding. And they forgot an ingredient like a baking um, powder or something, but they apparently together had decided that was never to be spoken of, that it, <laughs> it was going to taste okay. It was great. And so we all were together and it ended up being her last Christmas. And my grandfather, who could be a pistol, said, you know, I'm glad you guys really like it because there's no baking powder in here. <laughs> and she said, Clifford, Clifford, you are, and we were like bracing ourselves, you know, we're like, oh, our sweet little grandmother. And she goes, lower than the ants. And she <laughs> out of the room. And then she came back and cried and apologized because she had said he was Aww. lower than the ants. Like that was Aww. the worst thing that she could think of. <laughs> we, my brother always says the rest of us had a whole lot of words going through our <laughs> but she couldn't think of them, you know, and it was her father um, whose last name was Nutt, Walter Nutt, my dad's named after him. The Nutt family, N-U-T-T, that's my nuts. <laughs> but it was him who was really, um, at, he wasn't a minister. I feel like there's a minister in his background, but he was just a really gone. Somebody's nut. ringing my doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, you know, that, Linda, that's Jack calling me on FaceTime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'm in this room. <laughs> Yeah, right. Better not answer that. <laughs> oh my goodness! I wondered if that was your doorbell or hers. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect. It was a perfect doorbell sound, wasn't it? It was like Avon calling. Ding dong. Doesn't sound like that. <laughs> yeah, mine doesn't work half the time. There, <laughs> but that's okay. She probably wants to hear when she comes back about. Like your dad, how your dad became a minister. I won't. I don't want to make you tell it twice, but I'm curious. Yeah, that is kind of a funny story. <laughs> uh, I don't really remember. Well, my granddad passed away before I was born. My dad's dad. Uh huh. Um, Kevin and Sue were little when he passed away. Oh. And. I should probably just wait a minute, but yeah. Um, I think my grandparents went to Salem in Tonawanda. Oh, okay. Beth, United Methodist. Is that United Methodist? Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. My doorbell. Only time it ever rings is when uh, somebody's dropping a package, and they usually, if they ring the doorbell at all, they just ring it and go. Right. Uh, so I wasn't going to go, but then when it rang again, it was actually Autumn Craft who oh. thought that her parent, something that was hers, had come here, um, oh. and that I might have it, but I I don't. And so it's like I haven't seen Autumn. I haven't seen her in a long time, and wow. it was like, hi, I gotta go. <laughs> um, I'm so said, sorry. She said, tell. Tell the church she could see that I was on the computer. She said, "Tell the church I said hello." Aww, so, that's uh, so. She sweet. looks good. She looks really good. Oh, good. Um, so, did you talk about your family at all, Linda? I, I started, gone? but I stopped. I said, "My, my dad's dad passed away before I was born, and if I remember correctly, 
because my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, I was in high school when she passed away. I think she was a Christian scientist for many years. Interesting. But my dad and his brother were both raised Catholic. And when it, ah. my uncle was always, I'm going to be a priest, I'm going to be a priest. And my father, his very first time at confession and the priest, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but he left the confession booth and said to himself, how does that priest know what's in my heart? And he turned his back on God. And for it was a proclaimed atheist for a long time. And when my younger brother was little, my dad joined the army and moved to California and my mother followed him out and they were going to, there was a Lutheran church out there having a seminar on creation. So they went to argue for big bang evolution and atheism. Well, Jesus said, uh-uh, not tonight. They came away converted. <laughs> and they gave their lives. Uh -huh. Yeah. They um, accepted Christ that night and it was a couple more years down the road when my dad was spending all of his time at the church, Lutheran church down in Wellsville, I believe it was. And my mother said, you're always at that church. You're never home with me. Well, it just so happens I love God more than I love you. <laughs> and my mother said, so then why don't you go be a pastor? He said, I will. And that was the end of the story. Wow. <laughs> you know, we, we know that, that we're supposed to love God more than, than we love our families. But we're not supposed um, to tell them that. <laughs> um, they, right. We're not supposed to say that. I always oh have a hard time with that at times, but I have come to realize that it's the truth, but... It is. It's it's hard to yeah. You just don't want to emphasize it with those. Yeah, you don't want to articulate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, obviously we're married almost fifty four years. But wow. um, and I I think I was telling Kelly I think that my mom's parents belonged to Salem in in Tonawanda. So, but I'm really not sure what all. See, and I, I think further the, uh, back than that. The other part of this is I I happened to start it by talking about my actual physical family and ancestry and faith. I think that probably before I came to that revelation, um, actually I was already in ministry by then. I was looking into my um, this grandfather who had great grandfather who'd been a pastor. But in the meantime, the people of faith who influenced me directly, who were my faith family, even though they were not biological, um, that offers yet a different set of stories about who are the people and how are we influenced by some of these people that aren't even, they aren't even related to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that we can look at our story and I think that sometimes we may find people might not find anything no matter where they look in their family they might not find 
the heroes of faith or the influence or the inspiration, um, chances are good they wouldn't be looking if they didn't already have some. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's I think that uh, we talk sometimes about there's our family by blood and then there's our family that we make our family. And mm-hmm. for me, most of those people have come out of um, relationships in a faith community. Um, so it's, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about when we think about the legacy and they, um, they, they, we think about the heroes and how they understood God's plan. And I dare say that when we read through this list, if we ask them, if they could come be present with us now and we ask them, did you understand what it was that God was trying to accomplish? Um, I'm not sure that they, they certainly would have only understood because they're all Old Testament. They would have only understood the, the, the hint, the spark of a promise, but not the reality. Um, I love watching your dog. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I really like it. I went, went to Linda's house and got a cat fix. And now oh, I'm watching, watching your dog and, and getting a, a dog fix. My back itches. I got to roll around. Um, and so there's, because we have this building story through the Old Testament. And you can find in the, the gems in the Old Testament of where the promise of Jesus is mentioned, um, probably way more than I've ever found. I'm guessing it's because we have the, you know, the whole Handel's Messiah. It's all built on the proclamation of mm-hmm. Jesus coming. But Jesus wasn't Jesus yet um, that we can know. And so many other you know, that's a piece of music, but it comes obviously from scripture. Um, right. So many other places that that there's the promise of Jesus, but not not how it's going to happen or not not any expectation that would happen in any of their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. But the legacy was still there. It's just that they didn't know all of it, because when we look at it, um, This one commentary says, many of the earlier heroes grasped only a small part of the plan. Abraham hoped for family and land, Moses for freedom and a homeland for his people. Um, And then it grew. By the time David assumed the throne, the prospect included a royal dynasty, which became the basis for Israel's hope in the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So you can see how it it builds. um, And... And and yet they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know or weren't able to experience um, Jesus. And so we think about um, even when we look at this story and we look at what we've read in Hebrews, and we're still only looking at the beginning of the story that we know. Mm-hmm. We're we're you know yes we know the Old Testament to a great extent, but the Jesus story was just getting started when we read these words um, from Hebrews. And I think that um, God was sort of now kind of 
birthing this whole new thing in these these people who had heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and we think about when the author says, when he talked about the when in verse 40, God provided something better for us so that they wouldn't be made perfect without us. That's what mine said. What yeah. Say? Something like, same thing. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Right. Um, it's, it's, it seems like we know by reading this and doing those study that we know that the people were bailing or, or thinking about some had already bailed out of Christianity. Others were on that sort of uh, iffy place. I imagine, of course, we glamorize it. I imagine what must it have felt like to be there at the ground when the at the birth of the Christian church. And I think exciting and energy in the Holy Spirit when what we know is that it was a very difficult life and they were often persecuted. But I still I still would would love to be able to um, watch a part. Yeah. If there was something that Jesus did, what would what what story would you have would you love to put yourself in and actually physically see? Wow. That's a I, I just thought of that question. I just That's want an you to amazing question. Wow. Gosh, yeah. The first story that comes to my mind is um, the woman with the issue of blood. And I, I don't know mm. if I can say why, but that's because there was revelation on was sort of a Jesus was amazed, just like the woman was amazed and how long she had been faithful. Um, and there's um, the dedication and the 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 hardness, the hard life that she had experienced. And as one author puts it, she did what she had the power to do, which is to get to Jesus and touch him. She couldn't. So many things she couldn't do. Is she the one who touched yeah. his hand? Yeah. 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 So that was, I don't know if that would be the one I'd stay on, but that's the first one that came to mind. As you were talking, I was thinking about the one where he, um, you know, let, them let him without sin throw the first stone. I think oh, yeah. he's alterer, largely because I am still so intrigued by what he might have been writing in the dirt. <laughs> and Why you know, did somebody take a picture. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. And they tell us so much, but you know, purposefully God didn't reveal that, so mm -hmm. or didn't leave it as a permanent record for us to know. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's purpose in the unknown. You know that we can each interpret it the way but i would love to be there and see what he was writing you know people i think you probably know so much i'm sure you know so much more one of the commentaries that i read said something about you know perhaps he was listing the sins of some of the men around or you know i don't know what um, else i don't know i think that uh, and I think that people can speculate all they want, but I don't think anybody yeah. that we know of really knows for sure. Um, and we can't prove it now. But I think about him writing their names for the sins, because how would he know their names? 
or did he write it's it's hard to say i think the sins um he probably would have needed some time for that but anyway yeah. i think we can think of all things all kinds of things that he might have yeah. might have written there um, when did one come to you two came to me of course lazarus mm. you know just the emotion that jesus went through himself he wept he cried he loved Lazarus. Yeah. Even though he knew what he was going to be doing, he still had that empathy for Mary and Martha and all those around. And the other one was um, when he gave the widow her son back. So they're both resurrection yeah. stories. I just think of the one casting crown song that they do about. Um, it's a song about Peter and, but that was then, and this is now and how I saw you do all these things. I saw a dead man take his breath. How could I deny you? How could I be the man I was before? I like casting crowns. <laughs> yeah. I like some of their music too. And I think that it's, um, when, we think about the faith of these early heroes um, who ultimately were heroes of an incomplete faith and yet they they and their stories were what god wanted us to hear they were to be known and to be listed as the heroes in the biblical story in the old testament and I, I also um, have to believe that the people listening would have known those names. They would have mm -hmm. known those stories. If they had been faithful Jews, they would have known these stories. And so by bringing up people that they know and how great their faith was, of course, I'm not sure how that convinces someone to leave Judaism, but he's, he's connecting. The author is connecting. I know what you know. And I know that that's not the end of the story. So mm -hmm. he's he's kind of bringing them once again, kind of reeling them in with, I get it, I get it, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't don't give up. Um, and I think that we people for all these hundreds and thousands of years are still inspired by these same Old Testament um, heroes. Why else mm -hmm. would every vacation Bible school I've ever seen use the Old Testament? Because <laughs> they do. Right. They so often that Jesus is in there, but yeah. so often the stories are Old Testament. And I used to wonder, well, why is that? I don't really know other than um, they make for better VBS. Scenery. Huh? There's scenery. Better scenery. Adventure. I mean, you don't read mm -hmm. in the Gospels about people hiding in the mountains and people running and huge things happening, like people turning into pillars of salt and the Red Sea passing. You don't read that kind of stuff in the New Testament. Yeah. So, and you can't talk about the water into wine. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> we talked about that when I, I went to 
to youth group on Sunday evening to serve communion to them. Uh -huh. And we did a different, different, we did it, the whole consecration and we actually had real bread and real juice. Uh -huh. um, but the liturgy that I used, it had included, because it's from Scotland, it had included mostly wine instead mm -hmm. of juice, or we talk about the fruit of the vine or whatever we want to call it. Um, so I changed some of them, but I didn't change all of them. And something early on, one of the young men said something about, well, it's, it's the, the wine, the wine is blood, right? And so, well, not exactly, but, you know, and so he was talking and interestingly, um, as the conversation unfolded, I got, had the chance to explain to all of them that it did used to be wine and this is that's what they would have been drinking at the table and um, this particular liturgy made it clear that that this was at the end of the meal they'd already eaten they'd eaten lamb they'd probably eaten some vegetables that had bread and that this is what was left on the table that they did communion it wasn't a beautiful loaf that was just all perfect yeah, yeah. it would have been what was left from the meal um and then i explained to them how it is that we came to have grape juice instead of wine um and helped introduce them to mr welch because mr welch from welch's grape juice was a big influencer in um not drinking no alcohol uses grape juice yeah wasn't he a methodist too was he yeah. yeah yeah so it was uh it was it was it was fun to be it was really nice to be with them um, i think they found it fascinating yeah they, yeah it was it was at the end of youth group and so there was a certain amount of time factor and then there was the hard copies i didn't know that adrian could put it up on the screen or i would have it would have oh. taken me seconds to have emailed it to him have him bring it up on the screen but no i'm up in the office copying and copying and copying and <laughs> things are one side of the page goes that way the other side of the page goes this way um but it was still it was it was wonderful to be able to do communion and have it be a, a conversation yeah. and and also um to be able to say okay who wants to read and let them read parts of the consecration um so that's awesome it's good um so we think about in um and what does your hebrews 12 1 say we're not going to go into 12 but what does verse 1 say therefore, therefore go ahead linda <laughs> therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It, it could easily be verse 41 in mm -hmm. Hebrews 11. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does follow, obviously, if you're reading it, then you go to one in verse, verse 12. But I think that this, that 
I think that uh, chapter 11 is a great description of a cloud of witnesses. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's some of that is why the invitation for us to consider, you know, who are our clouds of witnesses um, and we're not at the end of our lives so that we're not uh, not necessarily in that mindset where we're, we're thinking about what we leave behind, but we can be aware of just how many people, biblical and real life and the written word, whether it's scripture or other places that are a part of our cloud of witnesses, um, which then create this, this motivation to run the race with perseverance. Don't give up. Don't give up. You have all these people behind you don't give up. Um, and that, I think that that verse, verse one in chapter 12, is it's one of my very favorite and it's one of my um, favorite ones to, to use to, to observe that a person had run their race. They had accomplished their call. They had followed the, the cloud of witnesses it usually that would be in a funeral, but um, but I also told someone today who um, they were describing, they were talking about stubbornness, and I said it sounds like the spiritual gift of perseverance, which of course isn't one of the listed spiritual gifts, but I'm sure it's implied in there, and um, and that sense of it's okay to give up for a minute. It's okay to recognize everything doesn't depend on me. Sometimes it's helpful if we recognize how little depends on us. Um, your fuzzy friend back there, he depends on you and Dan um, and your cats and things like that. Um, but the well-being of the world does not um depend on us and in ministry mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people will say um did i talk to you about baptism about the baptisms i'm doing at the church yes you did mention that you're doing a lot um yes. I'm trying to think what as else. a ministry that it's changed it's a change from the previous practice oh. Um, yes. which was membership really investment which is a it's a it's not everywhere but it's a relatively common practice um and i can remember being challenged about that and i said you know if even one person in all of those that was about weddings or baptisms i can't remember i said if even one of those people even one even one, if their life is changed because the door opened and they came through it and they found their way to God, then isn't all of that worth it? Isn't it worth it? Amen. Yeah. Um, and so. especially I can say that because it's me doing the work. You know, it's me doing the work with the couples and doing or oh. the parents or whatever. So um, if if it's. So it's easier for me to say that because it's yeah. um, it's my hope. And if it ever takes away from anything else, 
that I'm called to do, then uh, then that's maybe a different story, but we're all called to different parts of the mission field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's how I felt too when I was at Gowanda. If just one person in that congregation needed to hear the message that God had given me for that week, then I was doing what God needed me to do. And if nobody says it, you just hope and pray that God will use whatever you said, because God will, and God did, um, in ways that we we never even know about. Um, and it's it's just a something something to behold. Um, they um, one of the things that. There's a woman, Karen Armstrong, who wrote a book called The Spiral Staircase, and she notes that religion, like faith, is not about accepting 20 impossible propositions before breakfast, but about doing things that change you. Abraham got up and left home. Moses turned his back on royal privilege. Jesus laid down his life. In doing these things, they changed not only their own lives, but the world, and they moved us all a step closer to God's desire. Um, their models of faithfulness can help us live worthy lives and give us hope to reach the final goal that they saw only from a distance. Um, and then we are called to keep going that, that same distance. And so if we went to each one of these people that are named, and went back and read their story, we would not only read what they did in faithfulness, we would read what they walked away from. Uh -huh. What did they have to do to be faithful? And I wish we also knew more about the lives that the disciples had before Jesus went yeah. around and called them. Um, some people will say that when Jesus called them, it didn't mean that they came by themselves. Some people will say that they brought their family, maybe mm. not everywhere they went, but there's descriptions of the um, settings where it, you might think it's just the disciples, but it probably wasn't just the disciples. Um, we don't know who those people are, but I would be interested, you know, is that, is, um, is that, do we hold up their lives as individual people who follow Jesus um, without ties, without connections? Um, does that have any influence on the celibacy of priests? I mean, I know Jesus is the primary um, thing because of the, the belief that Jesus was celibate. Um, but what about the disciples? If, if, if they did in fact go by themselves, then that meant they abandoned their families or their homes, or maybe they didn't have them. I don't know, but I well, would we like know, to. I was gonna say, we know Peter did, because didn't Jesus go and heal Peter's mother-in-law? Was it Peter? Um, I believe you're right. We know that Jesus had siblings. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, however you want to call them, you might can call them stepbrothers or whatever. But they're they're the siblings. We know that Mary and Joseph had other children. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the question is, 
what was the other choice? What was the other way? Um, do you, do you ever, have you ever in a, in, been in a place in your life where you've looked back and said, if I hadn't, if I hadn't found Jesus, if I hadn't come to faith, where might I be? Mm -hmm. Yep, I have. Mm -hmm. And a, a story for another day, but I'll tease you with it is in college, I dated a, a young man who was Mormon. I try to make it clear that at the time I dated him, he was not a practicing Mormon, but he was raised in a very um, strict Mormon family. And as a matter of fact, married one of my sorority sisters and she became Mormon. Um, but I often think about, it was a, that was probably like one of the bigger trials of my faith um, just that I knew that that was not for me, mm -hmm. but it was so appealing. Right. He was so appealing because he had wonderful morals and, right. you know, right. they really do. They, they're very disciplined people. They're, you know, there's a lot of good that goes with it. His family wanted to embrace me. It becomes like, you know, a little group that they help you find jobs. They get you into schools. It's, you know, I don't, mafia-esque or you know um that's probably not great to say either <laughs> so, well it's it's just a different culture yeah um, mm -hmm. but they take care of their own they really they do. do they, they um, certainly do you know and and that was what made him so appealing to me you know but i i went through it all i he, they had me go meet with the mormon bishop and it was just it um it really, that's what really solidified that, no, I am a Christian. This is not for me as handsome as he might be and as what wonderful morals he has. It's still not for me, you know? So um, it was an, it was a really interesting time. Um, mm -hmm. he, from Salt Lake City Mormon. So like really, wow. really Mormon. So, so when you met the Mormon Bishop, did you go to Salt Lake City? Yes. Wow. I was in Salt Lake to see his family and they had me meet with him alone, which was really, I mean, I was 20 years old and I'd be terrified. I was. And they, and I had, it was the late eighties, early nineties, probably maybe 90. And I, I had on like long shorts and, and uh, tights and a big jacket and that was not appropriate. So his mother gave me a dress to wear. So I am, I'm wearing his mother's dress. I'm sitting in this office talking to this like 60 year old man. And the, the, the best thing was I'm, I'm a big crier, but I would, I would, did not want him to see me cry. And I tried to just be very, you know, straightforward with him. And one of their tenants, as you probably know, is that they believe that marriage continues into heaven exactly as it is on earth and so they say like marriage is forever and he tried to really get me as a young woman i say because he said you know don't you think that it's it's wonderful that rob wants to marry you forever like forever not just this earthly life and i with the deadpan face i said to him i just thought maybe we'd give it 50 60 years trial basis <laughs> and he goes, I think we're done. <laughs> Let me out. Oh <laughs> my goodness. I, and then were, I burst into tears. <laughs> you were expelled from the bishop's office. Well, yeah. 
and the women oh were on they were on one side of the church and the men were on the other and i was a young college very feminist young woman and i was so mad i'm like what are those men discussing over there we're because we were discussing recipes and sewing and child rearing and it was really something it was a real window yeah. into totally it's different true, culture yeah. it's yeah. um oh. it's it's quite the, why did i bring that up what did you ask that i brought that up for i can't remember oh where would the path that we would have taken oh that if we if we did not follow um or find a path of faith where might we have gone mm -hmm. so that was that's where that's where yeah. that came from yeah yeah did you know reverend sellers the senior reverend sellers ron mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was my parents pastor at northridge church while all of this was going on and they had me go to him too and he was very wise to talk with um he was not as hard <laughs> to speak no. with. He was no. just a, you know, he was a pretty, pretty soft and accessible yeah. kind of a person. Yeah, yeah. it was an um, interesting time. Yeah, And I, I give my parents so much credit because they let me figure it out on my own. And to this day, I say to them, why didn't you say like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and they, they said, we just knew that you would probably like him more if we forbid you or we told you that it was wrong or and i'm like oh i don't know that i'm gonna have that restraint <laughs> you know as a, as a parent i'm gonna be like oh it's it's very it's very difficult um yeah it does parent and you watch your kids grow up and yeah. um i think from a i think we we as people of faith who raise our children in the church we have hopes for or well we have a picture in our mind of what that's going to look like for our children that they will find the person that they love and that they will find a church home or stay in the one they grew up in um something like that and it's uh, i think as we talked about before when linda talked about how hard it is when your your dad you want to be have your dad as a pastor and you know things like that and and my kids used to be able to get away with saying that they they can't they can't do that anymore i haven't been their pastor in so long um but to watch to stand back and watch them be on their journey and mm -hmm. um and as i i said last week to hear to hear sarah talking about god and to hear jeff's mother talking about god and but if we push or we make it a thing, I think that maybe there's a sense that some of that feels okay because they know that we're pastors, but we didn't bring it up. They just know it's a safe topic. Um, right. I suppose and I fortunately haven't been challenged with the idea that it's a safe topic that means that they could say terrible things. That would be really hard, but that's not not what happened yeah so and kelly my mother was the one to voice her opinion very strongly which is probably why i made some of the uh, decisions i made in my life but is also why i might just say something subtle to scotty and let it go and put it in god's hands 
Sometimes it's hard, but I have found that that is what works best. Yeah. I'm preparing myself to just let them, let them find their way, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those places that where you are, Kelly, is then in that place that will continue to be um, a message is I was faithful and I did the best that I could. And you'll be, you and Dan will be there for them always. And that's no matter where our children find themselves, I think that um, helping them to know why are we so strong? What gives us the love that overcomes difficulties? Uh, they, they, they don't forget that. Um, and they don't forget the church that birthed them um, into, that, into that experience. My oldest son, who might poo-poo some of the people in the church that he grew up in um, at Harris Hill as being kind of conservative and narrow-minded, and there certainly were people that were quite conservative, um, but they never didn't love him. They they never the, the the children and the youth, just like in Pendleton. Um, they grew up and they were loved no matter what. And so even in this recent hospitalization, they are the ones who sent him cards, oh, some wow. of the ones. But yeah. when, when, when I said, suggested to a couple of people that being in there for seven weeks, that it might be good if he got some mail, um, it was somebody from the Harris Hill Church who got right on it because they know him. They've known him since he was 12. And so it's just, um, they might even reject it, but it's not gone. It's, yeah. it's just a temporary not practicing. Right. Um, yep. And that we don't know, maybe there'll come a day when any one of our children, when some pastor um, in a virtual Bible study says, what's your faith? What's your, wh wh who are the heroes in your faith? And oh my gosh, I hope that somehow, even if I'm in heaven, I have ears to hear that 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 right. they looked back at us and said that we were part of what influenced them in their lives. They would say it now, but yeah. there's not some pastor other than me that's going to ask the question right now. <laughs> um, so, um, so we're we're going to next next week we'll do the last chapter of Hebrews and. Um, so there's a couple of things that I just wanted to finish up with in terms of the some some direction and one is there's there's sort of two parts one is continuing because I plan on continuing the Bible study no matter what it is that we decide and no matter who's here um, and the uh, we have we have a choice of going into another book of the Bible um, or letter or whatever it is that, that we feel so moved to do. Um, and then the question is during, for example, during Advent, do we want to do something that's more geared to Advent? Um, just putting it out there. I'm very open. Um, I am too. Yeah. So we'll just, you'll just go where I lead you. Yeah. Yep. All right. And I, yeah. I guess now I have an opinion, <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, there's so much about Advent 
in the services and things that um, maybe if there's something that is not, you know, purely Advent focused, but that's a little bit, I think there's so much in the Bible that I don't know. I feel like I'm probably being overly confident, but the, the Christmas story and the buildup and the Advent, I study a lot, but there's so right. much I haven't studied. And I think that that makes perfectly good sense. Um, is there any book of the Bible that particularly intrigues you? Hmm. Gospels or um, an Old Testament? I mean, just generally, you don't have to pick something, but what kind of neighborhood? I'm, I may decide something that's not what you say, but mm -hmm. I'm just interested in what you have to say. Linda, when you did that, I have not done the disciple classes, uh -huh. one or two. When you did those, was um, was there a book or books that that you found like that you hadn't studied that you were really glad that you did? Or it was. It actually wasn't when I was doing disciple. It was when I was out at Gowanda. Oh. Um, part of the lectionary took us through parts of Job, and I always dreaded Job until I had to write sermons on Job. And then it's like, uh, I think I get it now. Um, I don't know that that's one that we would really want to get into in a Bible study, but um, and with disciple one, maybe, maybe, um. Um, I think Job is very interesting. It maybe would be better when the world around us isn't in such a bad place. Yes, um, right. I told um, Pastor Mary, I started reading Job when the pandemic began, and she said, oh, my gosh, why would anybody want to read that during the pandemic? I'm like, well, put it in perspective, you know. Right. Like, That's you know, it's also sometimes better if you read that out of the message. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes books like that are easier to get through. Yeah, when you're reading from the message, but or even even side by side, you know, yeah. to have yeah. to to read um, an RSV or something, um, and to have anyway to have some different different right. Yeah. So all right, well, because part of the advantage the advantage of not going in the direction of Advent is that um, is that whatever we start doesn't have to either be interrupted or whatever that we just kind of we just go. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's fine. Are it's the the are the the content the questions the exploration is this kind of style um, helpful. I like that. I'm, en I'm enjoying it. Yeah, me too. Okay. And I'm, Kelly, I'm enjoying being able to have a Bible study with you. I know. You know, <laughs> I shouldn't probably say this publicly on the on the internet, but this would normally be choir time, 7 right. And I so I've never done a Bible study at church. So I'm selfishly enjoying <laughs> enjoying it. Um there, yeah. There are some of those things that we find ourselves having access to that we didn't before. Right. Yeah. Um, so, all right, about, well. My dog wouldn't be here, and except that Dan is not here. She is 
tied Aww. to Dan with a very short leash. She adores him. And he went to go see a soccer game. A couple of the young men um, from our Bible study, the teen. Oh, I think he might have just come home. <laughs> he has the most in tune ears. She, like, I don't exist when he's around. <laughs> <laughs> but when but when you're around, then you're it. Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, um, I uh, offer God's blessing to both of you as you go out into this night and whoever might be listening to us out there on the live stream, blessings and blessings. And it's good to be together. Um, amen. I look forward to when we're together again. Yes. Amen. Right. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.